You may ask yourself, are those birds chirping? Is that wind gusting by the microphone? Is that the sound of a construction truck driving by? You would be right, oh listeners. I am outside. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's probably pretty obvious because there's a gigantic tree behind me and also the sun blasting the side of my face away in the hot, hot morning. Although my breath is also visible, I believe. on. I don't know if you can see it on camera, but it's pretty cold out here. It's chilly. Some of you have heard, well, all of you who have been listeners for quite a while, who've been listening from the beginning, know the saga of the nomadic life that my family has had for quite a while now, for over a year, where we've been living in host homes and trying to buy a house ourselves. Well, we are in the final stages of actually buying a house, which is a huge blessing. But in the meantime, we are still living in community. And outside was really the only place where there weren't people milling around or things going on, the quietest place I could find. And I needed to do this introduction to this episode. So here we are, outside in the cold, watching my breath float away as I do this. And uh, so that's what's going on here. That's why I'm outside. And I am super excited, as always. I'm sure I I should probably make a shirt that just says I'm super excited because I I feel like I say that every single episode. But I am super excited about this one because I did not know Rob Rodosti before this. Uh, He was connected. I was connected to him with uh, the awesome uh, Lacey Hoover, which was one of my first interviews that I did. If you haven't seen her episode, scroll back down and look for Lacey Hoover and her Shine On ministry, which is an incredible ministry you need to know about. And so uh, watch that interview. But anyway, Lacey Hoover, she has been a champion for this podcast ever since she did the interview. And we've been friends for a long time. Again, on the interview with her, you can hear that whole story. But she has been just connecting me with people and just saying, hey, what about this person? What about this person? And because she's just, she's been in ministry forever herself. And she has a lot of really good friends who are in ministry that have amazing stories. And so she connected me with Rob. And I didn't really know anything about him. And I didn't know anything about his ministry. And so when I, I didn't know what to expect whenever I went into it. And honestly, I was pretty nervous because so far, pretty much everyone I had interviewed, I knew I had at least uh, met or I knew some connection or in the sense of I knew something about what their ministry was and what they did, but I didn't know much about Rob. I had read a little bit about him and I'd seen his picture on events and things like that, but I didn't know too much about him. So whenever we sat down to talk, for me, I was learning just as much as you guys are learning in this in this interview. And it was I will tell you, and I wrote Rob after the interview, that he was by far, for me, the easiest person that I I had interviewed, and that was the truth. He was so easy to talk to, and just such a cool guy, and so on fire for the Lord, and his testimony is so powerful, and I was just in awe of listening to his testimony, the way that God has used him, the way that the things that God brought him out of was so, so awesome, and so you're going to be really blessed by this, and as always any links or any of the stuff that we talk about you can find in the description and if you want to support the podcast which guys we got our first supporter for this podcast which I was so excited about someone gave a donation to us to help which is really cool because we're trying to build our our new website right now and uh, it should be up um, very soon if it isn't because we're working on it right now as I'm recording this intro, and this episode is going to come out in a few days. And so it might actually be up by the time this episode even releases. But we have this new website, which I'm so excited about because we're going to be able to, instead of just having kind of the audio here and the video here, we're going to have it in one place. And you'll still be able to get it on YouTube and all that kind of it, Nothing's going to change. We'll just have a website where people can go and have more information, have more of a platform and uh, easier ways to give and things like that. And so that's really, really exciting. So uh, we're so grateful that someone... Uh, gave us a little donation to help pay you to build this website and uh, it's going to kind of help help with that and so yeah if you're interested in supporting and keeping this going and helping us upgrade our equipment and like right now I've, i record all of our our video on uh, phone and i would love to have a nicer camera and uh, just things to, to keep upgrading what we're doing and uh, provide a better experience and eventually be able to bring on speakers and be able to give donations to speakers which we did give we have given a donations uh, to a couple of our speakers because of you awesome people who have, who keep watching and um, I'm trying to think. I don't think that's. I think that's about all that. Uh, 
yeah, I feel like those are the only announcements that we have right now. So I just want to let you go and let you let you enjoy this interview with Robert Dosty, and make sure you check his ministry out because his testimony is powerful. He he is a a big big speaker, right? He's in a lot of different places doing events. Every time I go on his Facebook or or his website, there's always some new event that he's speaking at. Even during this pandemic, the doors are just continuing to open for him. And he was there in the office of Patricia King whenever we were doing the interview, and so it was so exciting. And uh, he's just he's just such, such an awesome guy. I'm going to have to have him back on the show again down the road. And, uh, yeah, you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to let you guys go. Enjoy Rod Radosti. I meant Rob Radosti, not Rod. I knew it was Rob. It's just whenever you say Rob Radosti really fast, there's a tendency to put the D in. the. It's like Peter Piper picking a pick of pickle peppers. It's that kind of situation. So enjoy Rob Radosti. Hey man, what's up, brother? How you doing? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. It's nice to meet you in person. Yeah, you too. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do it. I, I was, I'm, I've been so excited to talk to you. I've been uh, just listening to your testimony, and, and uh, Lacey has has been speaking very highly of you. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped to be able to talk to you. That's awesome, man. I hope it's not too echoey in here. Um, I do have like a little lapel mic, but last time I tried to do it on a Zoom, I plugged it into my phone and then you, they couldn't hear me at all. So I may just leave it like this. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's it's no problem. I, I had a, the last guest I had was a, a pastor from Australia just a couple of days ago and my internet on my end was so slow. He was just cutting out the whole time. It was, it, it, we've had some episodes that have been pretty rough with the audio. Oh, wow. Well, you sound nice and clear to me. So thank you, Lord. It'll just stay this way. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Man. So, okay. I have one question before we start talking about sure. more, more serious things on your Facebook profile. You have the coolest sunglasses I've ever seen. The ones that say Jesus across them. Yeah. Where, where did you get those? <laughs> well, I have, I have one that's like a Jesus hologram. And then I have the one that says Jesus, uh, the word, the name Jesus. Um, I think I got those on Amazon years ago, but I have not been able to find them since. So we'll have to just keep checking and see if they pop back up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I looked at those like, man, those are, I'm not into a lot of things, but I really like sunglasses. And I was like, though, those are cool right there. Yeah. Let me see. I'm going to see right now if they're still on Amazon. <laughs> I don't think every time, every other time I've checked, they weren't because I know I wanted to order more myself and I'm like, ah, yeah, no, they're not. Nope. Oh. Wow. Oh man. That's a bummer. So dude, tell me, can you tell me some of your testimony? Because I, I, I watch your testimony on your website and I'm going to put the link to it in the description here for, for all the listeners as well. But can you just sure. share your story? Because it is so it's really unique in a lot of ways and it's really powerful. And so would you just kind of go through, go through your testimony with us? Yeah, for sure. So um, I was, I was raised in Florida um, in a seventh day Adventist family and, uh, and, and kind of the, you know, I'll just kind of hit the main points. Um, my dad was a lay pastor in the seventh day Adventist church um, and so I was raised kind of in super strict legalism. The, the specific SDA sect that I was raised in was vegetarian. It was very, very legalistic on the performance, the works. Um, but, you know, they, I mean, they believed, they believed Jesus is Lord. They believed um, that he was coming again, you know. So there were, there are also a lot of other similarities with kind of like non-denominational Christianity. Um, and I was taught about like a relationship with Jesus to, to an extent, but it a lot was on my own merit. And a lot of it was very performance based, you know, like if I could do good enough and keep the Sabbath good enough. So I was kind of raised in a, uh, you know, with, with this idea of like Friday night to Saturday night Sabbath. And I, I loathed it as a, as a child because it was so boring. Like I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't even ride my bike, you know, most of the time because it was like too much work on the Sabbath, you know? Um, and so, you know, there are some, uh, some ways now, uh, looking back all these years later, that I'm thankful that I was raised like that. Um, I, I had a very, very uh, deep understanding of the law, of the Mosaic law in the Old Testament. Um, I knew a lot of Bible stories, you know, but, um, but I was scared 
of God. I, I felt like he was just, he couldn't wait to just punish me. And like, I, I could never do, do good enough for him. And so uh, I often kind of wondered, like, is the devil more, because the way that they, they would speak of the devil was like, very, like, wow, he seemed pretty powerful. You know, I wonder if God's that powerful kind of thing, you know? Um, and so I, I would ask my parents questions like, you know, well, the devil is so strong today. What about God? Does God still heal today? Like Jesus did, you know, and they weren't quite sure how to like answer those questions because, um, you know, we believed in the Holy Spirit, but not, I would say not in the personal way that we do. It was more of like an inanimate vapor <laughs> type, type thing, you know, yeah. like not really personified. Um, you know, we didn't believe in like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues or anything like that. In fact, I was taught, if you ever meet anybody that speaks in tongues, they, they're full of demons and run as fast as you can, you know. And so um, anyway, um, I would say my dad at some point had a crisis of faith and, um, you know, was kind of living a double life behind the scenes that we didn't know about until I was about 11. And it all came out. And, you know, I was my parents got a divorce and I was super angry. I was really depressed. You know, I attempted suicide at, at, at like 12. Um, and I remember my thought was, God, if you're so good, you know, if you're just so great, then how come you literally just let my life fall apart? You know, like totally taking on that victim thing, but I didn't know. I was just sad, you know, I was angry. Um, so, you know, my, my mother got me a couple of counseling sessions and they were, you know, talking about how I was, exhibiting a lot of signs of chronic depression, bipolar, you know, suicidal tendencies, wanted me to take some stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to take the stuff. And I'm thinking, well, if God's so good, why doesn't he just heal me? You know, it's so like all of my animosity literally was like toward God. I was just so offended and upset because I felt like if he's so good, then why didn't he do anything to stop this from happening? Um, so it was only within probably a year or two less less than a year or two that I uh, I went to a public school for the first time in my life you know I'd, I'd been in a little, little private school and homeschooled all my life and um nearly died like my first day got death threats there were, you know I, I'd never I, I just didn't know that there were like any such thing as gangs and like all the craziness that was going on in Florida and the high in the uh, the middle schools and the high schools they didn't have like you know, um, they didn't have like uh, metal detectors or anything yet, you know. And um, so I was like, man, I got to find where I fit. So because like, I'm gonna die, you know, like, this is crazy. And so everywhere I try to fit in, I just couldn't. And uh, it just made me more angry, more depressed. And um, one day, I, I ended up making friends with a Satanist. And he was like, the only kid that would talk to me, you know. So he began to just kind of, you know, kind of get me interested in, in some of that stuff before I know it I'm you know I'm going I'm, I'm at school with all black and a pentagram around my neck and a satanic bible and um I felt like I identified with something finally you know like I felt powerful um and it only progressed from there you know I was an alcoholic probably by 14 um I didn't do a whole lot of drugs I I, I experimented a little bit but I was really you know the alcohol the alcoholism got me good at like 14 um and then on for a few years so you know the satanism which is more of the worship of yourself essentially as god turned into um you know more of an interest in like wicca and other things um and then that turned into an interest in satan worship and so i began to make friends in all these arenas and just move up the ladder and i ended up like the leader of one of these groups um uh, uh, like a, a literally like a devil worship group and we would fight different gangs and we would slash tires and death threats and bomb threats and you know uh have like covens we would get together with different like witch covens and do spells on people we would worship in the graveyard at like two in the morning you know just all kinds of crazy stuff um and my you know, my mother, I think she didn't realize how deep I was into all these things because I didn't live at home. I moved away when I was like 14, hmm. moved in with some with this witch girl and, you know, her whole family was into witchcraft. And so they were teaching me all their their craft. And um, she ended up leaving me. And then I moved back in with my mother and, you know, realized that my mother was now identifying as a Christian. And I was like, it flipped me out, you know, because she had lost her faith. And so I thought she was still in that place but she wasn't 
and um, she, you know, she started praying for me and I didn't like it at all. And I, I wanted to get out, you know, but um, I guess one day she was praying around the house and she found my, <laughs> she found a satanic altar in my closet and freaked her out a little bit. Um, and she found some other stashes of horrible things that I had. And so she confronted me on it, but in a really loving way, she was like, listen, you know, the Jesus I know now is not the Jesus we knew growing up. This It's totally different. It's so full of life and freedom. And I just flipped my lid. I, I literally couldn't control myself like something in me, you know, I mean, I, I could not control myself. I almost wanted to strangle her. You know, I could not stand the name of Jesus. Anytime I heard the name of Jesus. Um, and so one thing led to another and I ended up, uh, you know, after another suicide attempt and some other crazy things running with a vampire cult and then a, like people that thought they were like, literally thought they were werewolves. It's just crazy. Wow. Um, I ended up going to a Christian music festival uh, to try to convert as many Christians as I could to Satan. And I brought some friends with me and we passed out satanic literature and, uh, you know, satanic metal music and like whatever we could. We were selling drugs. We were just like walking around trash drunk everywhere, you know, just trying to make a scene. Um, at this point I was, um, I had had same sex attraction for many years, but at this point I would say I was, I was actually cross-dressing and like just all over the place. Um, and so it was at that festival that I had a crazy encounter with Jesus that totally rocked my world and I was not expecting it at all. Um, it was probably the last night of the festival and I had some friends with me and we just didn't know what to do. We were tired. We were like, we hardly converted anybody. We were frustrated. Uh, and so I just decided, you know, let's go down to this last concert, the worship concert, or whatever, and just mock everybody. We're just going to mock all the worshipers, you know? So I, now I mean, for me, like growing up, we just had hymns. We didn't have like drums were of the devil, clapping was of the devil. Like even lifting your hands was irreverent. Like dancing was demonic. Like we, you don't do anything like that. So I was a little bit surprised when I got down in there and the, you know, these Christians were just passionately like dancing and lifting hands and clapping and like, you know, to it just flipped me out. I was like, wow, this is, I've never seen anything like this. But the real kicker was that um, <laughs> uh, I heard some speaking in tongues going on and it really freaked me out. You know, I'd never heard it before, but it kind of confused me because I'm thinking, okay, who's got the demons? <laughs> is it me or is it the Christians, you know? And uh, I didn't want them to have the demons at the time. I wanted to have the demons, you know? I'm like, hey, I'm the one that's worked so hard to have all this demonic power. Because, you know, we would do not just Ouija boards, but we would like practice moving things, like commanding demons to do stuff, you know? Um, and so all of a sudden I didn't feel so powerful anymore. And I just wanted to know the truth. You know, I was like, who's got, who, who has demons? Is it me or is it them? Like, and now I'm curious. Um, one thing led to another and this guy got up on stage and he was like, you know, all the music went dim. And he was like, if you don't know Jesus tonight, tonight's the night you're going to meet him. And I was just like, oh, you know, just making fun of him really bad, cussing him out, being really like perverse and nasty. Um, and I, and, and, and I just couldn't shake this feeling. I, it was like, I was heavy, like, like there was concrete being poured on me. And I'm like, what is going on right now? You know? And so before I know it, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, God, if you're so good, you know, why didn't you, why'd you let my life fall apart? You know? And then like my best friend went and committed suicide. I'm like, why didn't, you know, what about this? What about that? You know? And I'm just screaming. And I end it with, if you're so good, why don't you just come down and prove it right now? You know? And it's just kind of one of those like, high school things hell yeah come on come and prove it you know like i didn't actually think anything was gonna happen you know um but it did um i the next time i looked up i was on my face because it was outside the next time i looked up i was on my face in the dirt i had tingles all over my body i felt like i was floating in space somewhere and i'm like i'm like did i take something like we were out of drugs you know i'm like did anybody did somebody slip me something or like what is going on um and all of a sudden this fear came over me and I thought, what if God's real and he's killing me right now and I deserve it for what I've done, you know? 
And so all I could think of is God's real and he's killing me. Like I'm going to die right now. And, and I totally deserve this. He's going to strike me with a lightning bolt or whatever. And, um, but I wasn't dying. I, I started to feel this, this rush. It felt like a rushing river just going right through the core of my being. I felt all this bubbling. And all of a sudden, like, I get up to my knees. I still have this really heavy weight on me. I get up to my knees, and, and I feel this bubbling coming up like I'm going to, like, vomit. And my mouth opens, and the name of Jesus just, I mean, I scream the name of Jesus. And it was almost like I couldn't control it. Like, I'm looking at my own mouth, like, what am I doing right? Like, my mind is not even catching up. But I knew that I was experiencing Jesus because I could never say his name. I hated the name. Uh, and followed by that, I'm just, I'm crying and I'm, I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, God, take it. I don't want it. I don't want this life. I don't want the confusion about this. I don't want that. I don't want the perversion. I don't want the witchcraft. I don't want the alcohol. I don't want any of it. And um, when, when it was all said and done, I'm sitting there, you know, on my knees, just bawling in my my friends who are like, like totally bewildered, <laughs> you know, they, they watch it happen. He's just looking at me and they're like, what are you doing? Like, we're, what's wrong with you? We're not, <laughs> we're here for like a totally different reason. Like what's up with you, you know? And, uh, but man, I couldn't shake it. And I remember there were two things. Uh, one thing the Lord said, uh, the Lord said, um, I've forgiven you. I remember hearing that in my spirit loudly. It was like a whisper, but it, I'm sorry, I'm getting texts. I'm trying to, it was like a whisper, but it shook me. Like it just rattled me to the core because I think one of the number one lies I believed is that I couldn't be forgiven for what, for the things I'd walked in and what I'd done. Um, and then, and then the other thing was I had my first open vision on the, on, on the, on the, on the heavenly side of things. And um, it was just a sentence, but it was like, everything was white and all the way around me, it was written. And I, I could see it written around me and it said, everything you've been through will now be turned around and used for my glory. And I think I had, I didn't even know what that meant. Honestly, I was like, this is crazy. So I ran and told the youth group, they all thought I was joking because I was a Satanist, like or Satan worshiper, like, you know, half hour before that. Um, <laughs> everybody thought I was crying wolf and making fun of them. And I wasn't, uh, there's more, you know, I go into more detail on different places, like on my YouTube channel and stuff. But then I went back to this satanic band that I played in and I like preached to every single band member. They all threatened to kill me. And, and then the fun began, <laughs> you know, it just, uh, I ended up going off to YWAM and, you know, I, which I needed, they really whooped my butt into shape. Cause I just had a lot of issues with like authority and, you know, got plugged into some good churches and, um, uh, learned a lot about deliverance. And then uh, I would say probably about 10 years later, I finally started to get delivered of, of some of the religion that was really deeply instilled in me. But yeah, it's been a wild ride, man. And, and I've had the, the privilege of sharing that story in detail in about 55 countries now, including Iraq and uh, crazy places. So God has been really good. Oh, that's awesome. What part of it? I was just in Iraq. Well, not this. I would be there now, but with the shutdown, I was in Kurdistan yeah. back in last October. What part were you in? I was there the first week of October last year. Oh, so we were there like the same time. We were. I was in. Uh, I was in New Hope. I was in. Um, I was. I was there too. We were. And... In these... <laughs> <laughs> I was there the first into the second week of October, and then we went into Syria through a refugee camp, actually, um, which was kind of crazy. Um, a lot of fun, and we also went down to the Nineveh region, and so we were like a few miles from the gate of. Um, uh oh my goodness what's that town that's modern day Nineveh uh, oh man I was I was at that same place because they had that big uh that's you can see like the ISIS camp from from the top of the mountain there yes and I'm trying to think we hired a driver me and my buddy uh modern my goodness I'm trying to find Mosul there we go Mosul, Mosul yeah um we hired a, a car you know a car and they took us like as close as we could get and then they said they got you know they were like radioing or whatever and they got word that like if we go any closer we won't have heads you know because <laughs> the uh you know the different people are still in charge of the city and everything i was like get us closer get us closer you know but we saw we saw so many people like we um we were visiting with this one muslim family in the mountains 
And by the end of the night, dude, they were totally like, they let us pray for them in the name of Jesus. And we were, we were just going after stuff. And we, we just saw God do so many amazing things. And we also visited with um, uh, a ministry that takes the scripture in Persian on, by horseback into Iran and just dropped them off in all the villages. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Man, Iraq, that, that's amazing. We were at the, there at the same time. That's crazy. Whenever yeah. I, I was there, I was actually there with, with some YWAM friends. And oh. whenever, when we went there, we, we brought just a truckload of food into this one camp, this one refugee camp there. And it was one of the most amazing experiences because we went into this place and we're sitting there in this tent with all these, these Muslim guys, right? These Kurds. And we're sitting next to this chief who his family, 60 members of his family had been kidnapped by ISIS and he was buying it back. You know, they, they have to buy him back for like 30 to $50,000 a person. Yeah. And for six years, he'd been buying them back. And we'd brought him these, this food and all these things. And he, he said some of the most, ama the most amazing thing to me. He said, you know, for six years, no Muslim has ever come, has never given us anything, has never visited us. And he said, the only people who have come are you infidels. And he said, and that, <laughs> he said, and that is why I know that the Christian God is the only God with any true love. In come him. on, dude. It was oh so goodness, powerful. Amazing. We got into schools all over Northern Iraq. I mean, it was, there was so much favor. I can't wait to go back. We're planning to go back. We're just kind of biding our time. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same, I'm talking about trying to go possibly in February or March, but it depends on if things open up or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I have the Middle East planned for, for January right now. So really? we'll have to, we'll have to stay connected on that. <laughs> absolutely. Oh man. Absolutely. I, I lived in Turkey for my first two years in ministry. Okay. That was, I was actually, so I was going to ask you about that. It kind of, it connects with your story about how you said you felt like almost like you didn't have control of your mouth when you were screaming the name of Jesus. This is just really, this is really interesting. This is what I, I, I love talking to people about this because I had a similar experience whenever I was in Turkey where it was, I, I won't tell the whole story because it'd take too long, but basically we were in the middle of a riot because we were handing out Bibles in Turkey and it was really, really rough. And a lot of the missionaries were getting beaten up and dragged off and all this stuff. And it just ended up where I was the only guy who couldn't, who, I didn't get away because I'm just like a big guy. It's hard for me to get away. And right. I'm standing there and all these, these uh, extremist guys, they were actually communists. They actually weren't Muslims in this particular instance. And they, they formed that circle where they're going to start throwing rocks at you and all the stuff that they do. And I was standing there and I felt that God spoke to me, one of the clearest he ever spoke to me. And he said, he said, shut your mouth. Cause I was sitting there thinking, I'm going to say something amazing because I'm probably going to die right now. And I want someone to quote it at least, or write it in a book right. or something like that. <laughs> like that's right. something. And when it, when it, whenever, whenever I went to say it, I went to say this, right. I opened my mouth and I'm thinking, God, this is what I actually pray. It was amazing how things go in slow motion. Those minutes in those moments, I said, God, I'm not going to be quiet because I'm about to die. We'll talk about it in a minute. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, that's what I think. But whenever I did, I opened my mouth and instead of saying the awesome thing I was going to say, I ended up yelling, I don't speak Turkish. And it was the most humiliating moment. And uh, everyone just sort of dropped their hands. And then this police officer came in, this Turkish officer, came, and he just grabbed me and dragged me out of the circle and I ended up getting away. So my question is, whenever you talk about this in your testimony video about how God is not always a gentleman, that's a, that's a really prevailing teaching. And a, I've heard so many people talk about how God will never make you lose control. And yet I know in my life, there have been times when I have not been like in that moment, I thought I was in control and I absolutely was not. So what, is, what is your take on that? And, Cause I know you really teach on a lot of these things. Yeah. I like that you're bringing that up because you know um, if the, if the spirit, if the spirit prays through us when we don't even know what to pray, you know, like, of course he can take control and, yeah, I've, I've had that happen. In fact, in one time I was in um, Bolivia, South America with my wife, and we were walking, you know, where we shouldn't have been walking late at night behind this bus station, because uh, I lived in South America at YWAM, so I kind of knew that. But, you know, we were like, it's just a quick shortcut, we'll be fine. Well, as soon as we turned the corner, you know, we were tired, we've been traveling all day. Um, this, there was a, a Bolivian gang there. There's probably about eight or nine of these guys. And they took one look at my wife, start, you know, going crazy. And they just start running at us. 
And because I got a pretty wife, right? And so I'm thinking, you know, there is no human way that I can stop this right now. Like there, it has to be divine intervention. And I remember I said, Holy Spirit, help. And all of a sudden my, my mouth opens, literally, I didn't even choose to do it. My mouth opens and I just, para, like stop in Spanish, just really loud. And I was like, whoa. And all eight or nine of these guys, literally, Alan, I kid you not, their, their faces went white as a ghost. And they looked up above us and they went like this and turned around and ran, all of them. I've never wow. seen anything like it in my life. And so I still get chills when I'm talking about it, you know, because um, like the, I definitely wasn't in, cause I'd have been like, no, please, we want to have children, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they had knives and all this stuff. And, um, but that the Lord definitely, definitely took over. So the spirit prays through us when we don't know what to pray, how much more, you know, when we let the spirit loose our tongue, will the Lord just you know, when, when we would say something really stupid in our natural mind, but then all of a sudden the wisdom of heaven comes out, even if it sounds foolish in the natural, you know, and I've had, I've had other, I've had other things happen like that as well. Maybe not quite as intense as that story, but very similar, um, in other circumstances, you know? And so, um, so I definitely, 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 and I think it's really important that, you know, we don't open our mouths, whether we're on the mission field or not, even when we're at home, we don't open our mouths unless we know it's what like the father's saying, you know, like, cause he's a lot smarter than we are, <laughs> than we sure. are, you know, um, I had a situation in Haiti and this was really, really, you're going to like this one. It was super wild. Uh, we were in the, the Cite Soleil, the big tent city. Um, and, uh, right after the earthquake. So it was 20, I think it was the end of 2010 or beginning of 2011, something like that. And, you know, all the slums and I'm just out there preaching the gospel and these dudes show up with machetes. I mean, they just show up and they're like, if you don't leave our slum in two minutes, we're going to have your head on a platter. And they weren't kidding. These are like the drug, the, the drug Lords and the slum Lords. And then I just started telling them how much Jesus loved them. And they kept getting closer with the machetes. And I see our bus pull up, you know, not too far away, but I am just like, I can't just run to the bus. I'm, I'm just so engaged. Like I want to see these guys have a radical encounter with Jesus. And so the guy lifts his machete and I was like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And all of a sudden I start laughing hysterically. And I'm like, why am I laughing right now? And I was like a martyr grace or something. I don't know what it was, but I just start <laughs> just laughing. Everyone's looking at me like, how is he laughing? So thankfully, thankfully, one of my, one of my brothers, gra he was a huge dude, grabbed me and threw me on the bus because I couldn't, I was just standing there laughing my head off, you know. But after that encounter, we went back again and they ended up listening to what we were saying and let us pray with them. Um, and, you know, then we tried to plug him in the local churches and, and the pastors were super legalistic and they wouldn't they didn't want them in their churches and so we're like okay well we're gonna have to start one or something you know and and uh but it was just such a crazy experience because i could not control like i didn't choose to start laughing <laughs> it just started coming out and i was like wow this is even i'm really gonna die you know this way but it it must have been the holy spirit like this joy came over me or something and it totally it totally was whacked out in the natural you know it's like what so yeah, cool stuff. Man, I, I've been, I love church history and I've been studying a lot about just sort of the move of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. I know in your ministry, you've had thousands of miracles, all kinds of just wild, powerful things. And I, I find it interesting because from the mid 1800s during the, the great awakenings, right? The second, the first and second great awakenings, the church had a lot of witchcraft mixed in. And a lot of it was yeah. because of, because of legalism, because when the Protestants broke off from the Catholic church, the Catholic church had such a focus on miracles and all those things that the Protestants went the complete opposite way and wouldn't even talk about miracles. And so then people, because we have a natural desire for the supernatural, they start going to witchcraft because they have, yeah. they all have the same question you did. Why is it that everything is of the devil? Why is the devil so powerful? And God supposedly doesn't do anything. So that's when you get Mormonism and Jehovah, all these weird cults that come out that, that have these demonic encounters and angel, angels and all these things happening. And then all of a sudden you have later people like Charles Finney and Smith Wigglesworth and these guys who are 
their pioneers in moving in the Holy Spirit when it's incredibly controversial. Do you do you find because this is a lot of this is your message, right? Your is uh, a moving against the spirit of religion. Do you find that in a lot of these legalistic places, there there often tends to be and what I've seen is a lot of focus on the devil and the power of the devil, and through that they 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 don't even move in the power of God. They have nothing happening in the power of God. And that kind of squelches what the spirit can do. Is, is that correct, do you think? Oh, definitely. It's a devil consciousness. And I think because of an overwhelming sin consciousness that we've had since the 200s AD, you know, with the Constantine system and stuff, um, because the focus came on to, here's the steps you have to follow to get your sins forgiven by the man, you know, pay this much money, pay penance, do all that. Um, uh, or else the devil's, you know, here's the devil going to get you, you know, and I think we've had an overwhelming devil consciousness and sin consciousness. Um, and I don't think that we've really tasted of the life we were meant to live. And I don't, I think we're just starting to begin to even taste that in, you know, whatever, 2020 AD, you know, um, but there is because, you know, in the beginning, there were two trees, tree knowledge, good and evil and life. We were meant to just eat from life and the enemy trick them into you know if, if they have this it really it's a dualistic lens is what it is good good bad good bad good bad so then you see everything through the dualistic lens including god god is good and bad watch out you know and it's like but then the devil's only bad but then god's partly bad too so what's the difference like you know and 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 it i think there's a little bit of control in there as well because if we can freak people out enough about the devil or hell and sin you know, then, then they, they won't do bad things, but really it just, I mean, I know for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, growing up, I had numerous family members. They'd say, little Robbie promise that you will never, uh, you know, never watch fantasy movies or Disney movies that have any kind of witchcraft in it. Cause it's so evil. So, and it was just hammered into me, hammered into me. So by the time I'm like 12, I'm like, bring on the witchcraft, you know, like it just, because we're, you know, like the law magnifies sin, you know? And so when there's this constant, it's beaten into our heads. Uh, we end up with a devil consciousness that we can't shake. We, we can't, uh, because all our lives we've known how, how scary and bad the devil is, but we've not experienced pure life that we're meant to eat from, you know? And so we have this filter of devil, sin, hell, worldliness, you know, in a lot of traditional Christianity that I believe the Lord's removing that veil right now. Uh, one of the words I heard the Lord speak to me the other day was that we would begin to see uh, interdenominational reconciliation. Hmm. And so we're, we're going to see a lot of walls come down, a lot of veils removed. Um, and I think that the overwhelming sense will now be sun consciousness, not sin consciousness, S-O-N consciousness. Amen. We will be so conscious of the sun and his preeminence um that that sin isn't even a question anymore we, we just you know that's why i just wrote this book happy holiness i'm sure we'll get to that later but yeah yeah, yeah. So. man that that is so that's, that's so powerful and it's so necessary right now just with the with the way the world is moving with the th- the way that things are going right now the importance of that unity in the church. I know, for, for example, my wife is Panamanian. Whenever, whenever I met her, she didn't speak a word of English. I didn't speak a word of Spanish. And we came from totally different backgrounds. Like she, she wore skirts until we'd been married oh, for, yeah. like two, for like two years because she was taught that for women to wear pants was from the devil. And oh, yeah. uh, she, Panama. <laughs> that's, that's right. And my, a lot of my, my friends and YWAMers and people that I minister with all have tattoos and uh, eyebrow rings and all those things. And my, for my, <laughs> yeah. for my wife in the beginning, that was such a huge deal. She couldn't, cause she'd been taught that their whole life. She couldn't understand how, how that could be not evil. Right. And, and yet now, as God is kind of moving in the church, I see, I was just in Washington, DC with that Let Us Worship movement, uh, oh, sweet. which was so powerful. And it was so cool to see all of these different people come together, 30,000 people who are all there together. And pro- I'm yeah, sure cool. from so many different backgrounds and there was just so much power in it. It was just, uh, we need that. We need that unity right now. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, amen. okay. Now I wanted to buy your book. And you're going to have to tell people where to get your book because especially your first book, 
which I was really excited to read on Amazon. It is currently $920. And, uh, I, wow, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So the, here's what's going on. Um, our, <laughs> let's see how, how can I put this? Our first couple of books are in revision right now. Um, for a couple of different reasons and I won't go into details exactly why. Um, but yeah, so, but soon here in the next few months, they should be ready. My new one will be out probably between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So is it, is it the new one you're talking about? No, your old one, your, your testimony. Um, yeah. And and he unleashed me to the world. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can order it at our website, and as soon as the revisions are done, it'll the orders will go out. So if you go to glorybomb.com, we've got a bunch of domains. I try to funnel it all to glorybomb.com because it's easy to remember for people. Um, there's a store right on there, and any books that you guys order, you know, as soon as the revisions are done. We do have the evangelism one in stock, but all the other ones are currently being revised. So tell me about your new book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, just just tell me about it. Tell, what what's the premise of it? Yeah, so it's called Happy Holiness: The Rise of Redemptive Reformers, and um, I just finished some God TV shoots with Patricia King for it, and uh, it's probably not going to air till next year because because of COVID, they're a bit behind on their on their programming, which is totally understandable. Um, so we were going to release it like with the God TV episode, but now we're like, I'm just going to put it out. So we're, we're shooting for Thanksgiving here, 2020. So you guys listening to the podcast, it's either probably already passed or maybe right this week. Um, you can go to happyholiness.com and grab it. So here's uh, basically, I'm going to read you the back. Can you be both happy and holy? And that's like such an oxymoron, you know, in the church or in traditional circles, at least. Um, do you love Jesus, but feel burned out on religion? Are you struggling with some of the hypocrisy you've seen in the church? Do you wonder if there's a better way to live a powerful and faith-filled Christian life? After 10 years of preaching the gospel, Rob Radoski wanted to throw in the towel. One night, a series of heavenly visitations changed his entire perspective. That was in 2011. Uh, what happened during that radical encounter? In this book, you will venture on a journey with Rob into supernatural sonship, the gift of holiness, and what it means to be a redemptive reformer. Does holiness mean legalism? Is one of the main points that we're going to really focus on in the book. Um, can we detox from religion without deconstructing our entire foundation? That's another one of the main points. Because there is a movement out there right now, the deconstruction movement, and I am I am actually heavily involved in it, um, being a voice in it, but not really identifying with it. Um, because I'm encouraging people to, to, to detox, but not deconstruct, because we got to be careful if we obliterate our whole foundation, you don't even know what to believe anymore. And, and, the, and the enemy has really been getting a foothold in there. And before you know it, Jesus is just this universal consciousness. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. So, um, so we talk about that a little bit. And then is it okay to challenge the church on what must change? That really is what reformers do. Um, but so we can't really be, especially redemptive reformers, which is God does things redemptively. You know, even when he disciplines and this and that it's with redemptive purpose um if we're not under authority we're not going to have that kind of authority and so who are we in christ um how do we live from that place so you know these are some of the questions that we answer i share a lot of stories um i'll read the last part rob answers these questions and more in happy holiness you'll be encouraged and empowered by rob's unique blend of powerful stories refreshing teaching and challenging paradigm shifts Prepare to live out who you truly are in this exciting book. So that's really what our heart is, is to help people walk out who they really are in Christ. You know, not to, because one of the things that really sparked me to write the book was, um, you know, in different movements, you'll have people, it's like, no, I'm, I'm free from sin. And on Facebook, they're all full of the glory and they're all, you know, Holy Ghost, lush and la, la, la. And then, and then behind the scenes, they're messaging, please pray. I feel suicidal. Please play, you know, but, and then there's like this, like in, in the public eye, we have the message, but in the private, we're just struggling real bad. And we're afraid to come out with the fact that we're struggling real bad because then people think we don't really believe the gospel, you know, but then there's the opposite extreme, which is everything is just defeat. The theology is so defeated. Everything's the devil and sin and death and, 
you know, like, oh, God, save us, rapture us now, like, get us out of here, you know, we, you know, help, you know, and, and defeat. And so I'd love to see us come away from both of those extremes. Um, and I talk about two ditches in the book, one ditch being legalism, one ditch being lawlessness, where the pendulum tends to swing in different movements one way or the other. And I really believe the Lord is giving us holiness as a gift. You know, it's not our holiness. Listen, one of the things that God really, really got in my heart deep when I wrote the book was he does not command us to be holy without supplying our holiness. He supplied it in Jesus. He supplies it through the spirit. So we can't have our own righteousness, but he's literally supplied it. So now how do we walk that out without being in this, like in one extreme ditch or the other? So I feel like the Lord is giving a plumb line to the church, you know, and we're going to see some amazing things on, on the horizon. And uh, so really, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what the book's about. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to read it. Cause I, I know that's a big question. A lot of people have it, and I'm glad you talk about the two ditches, right? Because that is a big question because people, people who are in more of a conservative church for a lot of them to step, even if they're locked in religion, to step out of that religion, it feels like they're in sin. Like to them, they feel like they're moving into sin. And that's really hard because they feel like, it's not like they feel like they were, they're rebelling. They feel, they feel like they're sinning against God. Like my wife, for example, like I said, with, with her wearing pants, what she felt like, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm doing something almost immoral because right. that's what I, and so there's that and pulling people out of that. But then oftentimes people go so into the extreme that, like you said, it's just sort of, it's almost universalism. It's this weird, yeah. uh, there is no, there is no sin. There's nothing. There's. Oh, I, yeah, I deal with that. I, cause I, I mean, I have, I, you know, I've, I've had friends I've ministered with that, you know, all of a sudden they started going that direction and I was like, whoa, 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 you know, and it's, it's wild because I understand that we want to live in a glory bubble to the point where, yeah, like think about the song and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Totally. But if we get into such a self-absorbed glory bubble that we, we literally forget that people are living and dying in sin and in destruction and, you know, it's really unhealthy. And we can start to go that direction where, uh, so I think there's a healthy balance where we don't, we don't live in, with a sin consciousness but we are conscious of the fact that sin is still destroying people and will destroy us if we go that route, you know, and a lot of people like to use, like, for example, where Paul says in Corinthians, you say, I can do whatever I want. All things are, are permissible. And a lot of people say, you know, we'll see all things are permissible, but that's actually not what that scripture says. Paul's quoting them saying, you say this, but I'm telling you, no, not all things are beneficial. So you can't, because they're, they're giving him their philosophies and all this stuff. Um, and so I don't believe we have, I think grace actually holds us to a higher standard um, than, the, than the law of Moses did. As law, as law, it's like, okay, you can mess up, go make a sacrifice until you do it again. But grace, it's like, no, this is not who you are anymore, period. There is no more sacrifice for sins. So it literally holds us to a higher standard. Not meaning you better perform even better, but we really need the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, so that we don't keep falling in, you know, these cycles. Wow. So what do you believe right now in terms of the spirit of religion that's that's so so strong in a lot of places? What do you believe is the most destructive doctrine that that needs to be shifted in the church right now? Oh boy, that's a that's, I know, a, that's a big one. one. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> well, I would say, oh goodness, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? Because you can really open up a can of worms with this one. Um, there's a few that that I that have really concerned me, and that I have weighed for a few years really, really heavily, and and relied on you know the voice of the Spirit to really and and the confirmation of Scripture. Um, Honestly, I would say there can be a toss-up between is the Bible fully infall- infallible? Is it, uh, is it inerrant? But here's the thing where we, we can't, we, Scripture itself says that it is fully inspired and authoritative. You know, even Paul tells us that. And so what I see happening, and I'm sure this has happened in cycles all throughout history, but what I see happening everywhere right now 
in modern Christian circles is the, 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 the authority of scripture is being challenged. And it's coming to the point where they literally are picking and choosing. And when this is what I have seen as the most destructive, um, where they'll say, well, I read the gospels, but I don't take them for me today because Jesus was speaking to the Jews and not to us. So yes, Jesus said it, but it was only to the Jews. But he also spoke to pe people that weren't Jews too. I mean, you know, and so um, while Paul, our, obviously one of my favorite authors in the world, he's the, the grace apostle to the Gentiles, right? Um, they will say things like, well, Paul was speaking to Gentiles and I wasn't born Jewish, so I only need to read Paul's letters. Uh, Peter's letters are not for me because they were written to the, James was the apostle at Jerusalem. That was to the Jews. So James is not relevant for the Gentile believers. Yeah, but it says that, that, that Jew, there is no Jew or Greek in Christ. So we automatically have an issue there. And so, you know, challenging the authority, it's okay to ask questions, but coming to a point where you say, I don't have a roadmap anymore because I don't trust scripture. That's like saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get to my destination with no GPS, no phone, no satellite, no map. I mean, it's, it's super dangerous, you know, and then, uh, you know, probably tied with that would be this idea of Jesus as just being, you know, a greater universal consciousness. I kind of see that really strong in the church, right? Not everywhere, but some circles, I see that really strong right now. Um, you know, there's, there's a big, and I talk about this in happy holiness. There's a big difference between seeing Jesus in people, whether they're believers yet or not, but choosing to see him being revealed to them and, you know, and, and praying that direction and declaring that direction. There's a difference between that and, well, Jesus is just the universal consciousness in all of us. So eventually, you know, it's like people aren't even really preaching the gospel anymore because they don't know how to, because there's not really an issue uh in their mind and that ties into um pelagianism which is you know I, I don't really want to get too deep into it but basically the fact that jesus didn't really have to come he only came to prove a point he only came to show us how much god loves us he didn't really have to come and do all that because uh, there was never really an issue from the get-go i'm seeing this everywhere it's crazy wow. and I, we may have different circles but like i'm seeing it everywhere and i'm really warning people you need to be seriously careful with that because um without the incarnation we, we're doomed like the incarnation is the crux of the entire gospel and so on a good note i see the church moving toward a more christological um incarnational gospel where it really is all about jesus and he is the lens and um you know without a solid christology we will never have a solid theology anyway because it's him it's all about him and so yeah so i hope that helps yeah, that's, that's where a lot of cults uh, came from. Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, the whole Jesus was not really the son of God. He was an angel or he's on equal standing. Yeah. With, he's the, uh, all, all of that kind of stuff. So right. I, know, I, I wish I had seen this before. I, I just saw that you had, you had just done a post and a YouTube video as well. I believe it's on YouTube as well, talking about different Bible translations. Yeah. And where, where are you on that? Because I know right now, for example, the, the TV show, The, the Chosen, which is, a, it's a, a TV show about the life of Jesus. It's I haven't super, even seen it yet. <laughs> it's, it's super controversial right now. And I'm actually trying to get Dallas Jenkins to, to come on the show as well, because I, I hear both, right? Like some people talk about how powerful it is. And some people talk about how, and I'm not talking specifically about the show. I'm talking about Bible translations, like, like the Passion Translation, which I did an interview with Dr. Brian Simmons. And a lot of these different translations, people they, they believe they're heretical, that they yeah. are against God. And so I, how, what do you believe about that, about updating scripture or, or dramatizing? Yeah. yeah, that's a super good question. Um, you know, I think a lot of it started with like the Amplified and the message. And I mean, I, I like the message. I don't study out of it, you know, and he's, but I, I like to read it to gain some, some insights into certain things. But I, I, don't pre, I don't usually preach out of it. I might quote it here and there. Um, I, I kind of stick to the King James uh, to preach. I like the Aramaic. I like the New Living. But when it comes down to it, here's the deal. Um, I think that we need to be careful that we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just, uh, you know, the, I think, okay, let me, 
yeah, I'm trying to think of what I, because that YouTube video, I guess a lot of people ask me questions and I had really thought about it deeply. Um, I think it's great to, uh-oh, I disappeared. Okay, you're Yeah, back. your video cut back. out for a minute. Okay. I can still hear you. Um, I, I think it's really good to have different translations. Translations, you know, paraphrases. Um, I think you need to be careful with paraphrases because, you know, it needs to really reflect the, the original Greek, the Hebrew. I'm not a scholar, but I have studied biblical languages for since 2001. I've been to the Middle East many times in Greece and talked to lots of teachers and rabbis and language teachers. I speak Spanish, Portuguese, and I can get around in a couple other languages. But like um, the King James, and this is what I try to, to tell people, was translated really from German and from the Latin Vulgate uh, predominantly. And so we have words in the King James that are not fully congruent with the Greek and Hebrew words uh, that, that are more congruent with the Latin word, which, you know, when it was translated from Greek and Hebrew to Latin, then by the time it got to English, for example, repentance is one of those words. So uh, in the King James, you know, it can sound, it's, it's, got a, it's got a filter. It has a medieval filter on it. So repent ye, you know, like sounds, ah, you know. But in the Greek, I was just in Greece, metaneia is like a shift of the inner man. And so um, instead of declaring, you know, come pay for your sins or you will burn, you know, that's, that can kind of be the medieval filter you can get from the King James sometimes. The word of God is not wrong by any means. Uh, so I like translations, but I think it's very easy to, you know, add your bias, your personal bias into the translation which is the deal with some of the newer translations coming out. I do like the passion. Um, I think it's beautiful, you know, um, mixed between maybe a, a paraphrase and a translation in different areas. But again, I don't, I don't really study out of it. Uh, I, don't, I don't preach out of it all the time. I'll read it from time to time. I do like it. But, you know, I'm not here to demonize people or their translations. But I think there are a few. You know, we grew up with our own translation, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, called the Clear Word Bible by Blanco. And it literally changes the word. I mean, it like, we didn't believe in, in um, Seventh-day Adventists don't believe in, in life after death. And so once you die, you're dead. So anywhere that it would, like, say spirit or soul, they would put the word bones. Like, it was just totally weird because... <laughs> They, they obviously added like a personal bias in there. Um, so I, I, my, my, my admonition to people is be really careful. Um, don't, but don't be like cynical and skeptical and paranoid, you know, but just be careful. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into truth. Um, I know like Brian Simmons is, has some notes on uh, Revelation. That I just love so much what he has to say. I really highly respect it. It's just great. Um, but I have seen a lot of people are condemning the Passion Translation. I personally don't, don't really know why they're condemning it. But again, I'm not a scholar, um, although maybe one day I'll be. Um, and I don't know how you personally feel about it. But I, I will say I have had a caution in my spirit uh, because I do see a, a lot of personal biases being put into the different translations and paraphrases. However, I encourage people, go to the Interlinear Bible. Just get right on Google and Google, you know, John 5, 7, or whatever, interlinear Bible, and you will see word for word, it, not even in English order, exactly how it was written in the Greek, and you can look at the meaning of every single word, you know, and so with words like repentance, that is a Latin word, that's not a Greek word, in Latin it means to go pay penance over and over again, so you can see how there was a filter, so I would say we need, um, our, we need, you know, you got to change your filter in your car and in your house. The filter needs, we need a fresh filter, but never re rewriting or adding to or anything like that. No, definitely not. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm totally on the same page as you. I, I, I tend to avoid a lot of the paraphrases as well, just because they're, they, it can get a little bit too tricky and it can get, it can straight. I've read a couple of paraphrases where it doesn't, I don't know how anybody could even get the same meaning for between the <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. And well, so, and, I, and I, I've had, you know, with the Mirror Bible, a lot of people have asked me about the Mirror Bible. There are so many areas in the Mirror Bible that it just, it's so beautifully written, like poetry, and it really, but there's a lot of areas that I'm just like, mm, there's just, I just cannot see how they got that, you know, like in Hebrews 6, 
in the mirror. And by the way, this is not to bash the mirror or anything, but be careful, you know. Um, in Hebrews 6, it says that the laying on of hands, the ba baptism, future judgment, all that is no longer relevant. It's, and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't know how they got that out of, wow. you know. So, yeah, you got to really, um, you got to really... <laughs> got to really watch out with some of that kind of stuff even though i love the people and i love you know i, I don't it's nothing personal at all but i have to stick true to scripture and you know what the lord's showing me and i know that it's god breathed and so if we have to get in the aramaic you know which has a lot of the same words from the greek directly transliterated but ultimately go check out the interlinear bible guys that's what it's it's really helped me a lot amen well, I know, I know we're running out of time here, but I want to, I'm just curious, you just moved to Arizona and uh, yeah. the Lord gave you a word to just very suddenly pick up and move to Arizona, yeah. correct? And so are you, yes. are you over there near, I assume you're near Patricia King's ministry as well? Like you were just doing God TV? With yeah, you? actually our office is right here in, in her complex. This is, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Oh, I, lo I love Patricia. She, I always <laughs> tell, I always tell people, I, I've only met her once and it was just at a conference and it was one of the most powerful moments of my life because I was in a, I was on a speaking tour and kind of like you said, I was in a, a depressed place and I was on a speaking tour and just preaching all over the States. And I happened to go to California where she was at a conference and the Lord had spoken to me this word and at night, just out of Isaiah, which said, set your faces Flint. And I didn't yeah. tell anybody about, about it. And I, that day I just happened to run into Patricia at the conference. and just said, Hey, could you pray for me? And all she really said was the Lord says, set your faces Flint. And oh. man, I tell you what, that rocked me. Boom. <laughs> it, was, it was so powerful, man. So yeah. Uh, that, so what what are so the awesome. what's coming up for you? What what are the next steps now that you've how long have you been there now? About two months. Yeah. Uh, we were church planning um out in South Carolina before this. And so yeah, so we just relaunched the itinerant ministry. Um I just got back from a trip. I was at the, in Nashville at the prophetic summit with them and James Gull and them and, and Patricia, which was just an awesome time. Then I was in Pittsburgh and South Carolina and then North Carolina. Now I'm home. And um, we're probably looking at some more, some, some conferences getting on the roster, getting relaunched in the mission stuff, which we're really looking forward to. Um, this December, I've got a Southern California tour coming up, January missions. Uh, February, I'll be in the Northeast, like Pennsylvania, uh, March, Ohio. And then there's stuff kind of every couple of days getting added. Um, but yeah, we're excited. We also have a church movement called Church 14. It's a mobile church movement. We've got home churches. We've got some that meet in buildings, um, you know, and it's primarily online. We have like a Facebook group that we teach in. So yeah, it's really cool what God's been doing, even through the whole pandemic, you know, just um, seeing the body of Christ even band together online and just still doing the stuff there, you know, very cool. Man. Yeah, please let, let me know whenever you're going to be heading back out to the Middle East, because maybe, maybe next time you go to Iraq, I can, I'll, I'll see you over there. Yeah, I'd love to. We have a, a really cool open door to Lebanon right now and um, uh, always Israel, but we can, can't really do them on the same trip. But um, yeah. Lebanon, really looking forward at some point getting, to getting back to Iraq. Earlier this year, actually in January, I ended up getting COVID, but uh, we were, uh, I was on the border of China and Kazakhstan ministering, and uh, we did Kazakhstan, and then we did, um, I was in Turkey, I was in Azerbaijan, which was amazing. I really loved it there. Uh, a bunch of Muslims came and came to Jesus. It was cool. Uh, and then we went to uh, Belarus and we had a, um, a secret pastors, you know, uh, under the radar pastors gathering. We literally had like a hundred pastors from all over Belarus show up. And, you know, that's like not really legal there, but it was, dude, it was so awesome. And so it's, it's really cool. Just some of the doors God's open in the nations. I love the nations. That's like, that's like right where my heart is at. So I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll see each other out there Same on the field here. sometime. Oh, I'd love that. Well, man, could you, would you mind praying for our listeners to, to close us out here? Yeah, let's do it. Father, we just thank you right now for all the revival carriers 
that are listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube or wherever else they might be getting this, Father. We just thank you for a crazy impartation of your happy holiness, Lord, revelation, a deep revelation of sonship. And Father, if there's anybody in there just uh, in attendance right now with their ears or their eyes, and they have just they have just had that root of religion so just dig down so deep in them, and they don't know how to get free, and they struggle with being judgmental and feeling like they're not good enough for you and like they have to perform for you. Father, we thank you right now in Jesus' name that that thing's just uprooted in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's anybody that's listening or watching and they struggle with lawlessness and they're just like, they, they don't they don't really believe the scripture is solid authority and they don't want to be, you know, submitted to a multitude of counsel and they, they just want to be doing their thing and, you know, maybe they struggle with sin, but it's not a big deal because of grace. Father, I ask that you just put a holy conviction and let it bring forth joy in them and just set them free. Let it come like a mighty plumb line right now. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, we thank you for joy on both sides. Lord, that we're not eating from some dualistic fruit. That's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. We are eating from life. We are partaking of life. Only life, the tree of life, stands on both sides of the river. Revelation 21, 22. Father, we thank you that life, we thank you that life is flowing out of us, that life is flowing into every uh, listener and watcher right now in the name of Jesus. Hey, thank you, Lord. And Lord, if there's any pain in bodies, Lord, we take authority over sickness and disease, Father, over um, complications, over infections, over coronavirus, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for complete uprightness, complete healing. Lord, we thank you that every organ of their bodies are operating according to the order that you created them to operate in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There it is. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Woo! Man, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, man. Awesome. Right. Well, we'll be in contact. Thank you so much. And Lord bless you. Yeah, you too. Bless you guys listening and watching. And uh, you can get more info at glorybomb.com. That's right. I'll put all those links in the description. And absolutely, when this book comes out, I'll put the, if it hasn't come out when this episode comes out, I'll make sure that link is in there as well so people can get it. Sweet. All right. Thanks, I'm man. so I appreciate excited. It. Thank you, brother. This is all of you. Yeah. Right, have a great day. Bye.